Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. On this bonus episode of the show, we jump in with Flow Racing and Dirt on Dirt's Dustin Jarrett to preview this weekend's Wild West shootout out in Arizona and take a look at what to expect this season with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series and the World of Outlaws Late Model Series. We talked about Brandon Shepard, Tim McCready, Jonathan Davenport, Jimmy Owens, Brandon Overton, and many other drivers. We also talked Flow Racing content and what to expect from their Late Model Night in America series coming this year. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dustin Jarrett. I'm going to call you late model guru, Dustin Jarrett, but, um, you know, announcer guy, contributed to Dirt on Dirt. Um, are there other things there that I'm missing that you do? Uh, Jack of, of all trades, master of none is probably the best. <laughs> Probably the best way to put it. I, I'm getting ready to fly out to Arizona to the Wild West shootout here in, in uh, the next 24 hours. So don't don't make my head swell up too much. I'll never be able to get on the plane with all the old folks that are flying out to Phoenix. <laughs> I guess since you mentioned it there, let's start right there off the top with the Wild West shootout. I feel like, you know, the last kind of two years, that event kind of looks different with the way the Outlaws have kind of scheduled their early season races. And, and this year, again, will look different with the Outlaws starting in Florida. But, you know, what are your kind of early impressions of that event? And, and what's that field shaping up to look like for the next kind of week or so there? It's, you know, it's so funny, Justin, because when the world of outlaws um, released their schedule and we saw that, that our second weekend in Arizona would be overlapping with, with their, their first week at Volusia. Um, obviously I think we were a little, uh, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but, but we thought, man, you know, we're going to lose three or four really good guys, Brandon Shepard and Kate Dillard and Ricky Weiss, guys like that, that have always run there. And we thought this is going to be maybe a little bit of a down year for the wild west shootout. And uh, I've been talking to Ben Shelton, um, who's, who's up top announcing for this event uh, also. Um, we're up verbally committed to over 60 late models. It's, it's looking like the biggest Wild West shootout field that we've ever had. And so even though we lost a few of those guys, we've picked up Jonathan Davenport. We've picked up Tyler Erb. We've picked up um, Jared Landers. We've picked up Jason Fager. Rusty Schlenk is making the trip down. So, um, you know, it's, it's like a college football dynasty, Justin. We we're replacing good guys with more good guys. And it's, uh, I don't know. I, I really hesitate to sound like a homer, but um, I'm stoked. The weather looks freaking phenomenal, too. Like 70 degrees every single day, 0% chance of rain. So it's, it's looking like a really good field and pretty awesome weather. For, for those people who maybe haven't watched this event in the past or haven't been to this event, give me like the elevator pitch. Like what is so good about the Wild West shootout to kind of kick the year off? You know, I, I tell folks it's one of the last true racing vacations. Um, we race so damn much anymore, and, and you know this, right? Like, it's just we, we're we almost stuck in this monotonous rhythm of these, you know, three-day shows, or, you know, you, we've got on the late model side the Summer Nationals with virtually no off time. And Arizona is, is this um, – just this true racing vacation where you race a night or two, you get a night or two off, you race again, you know, you have another night off, you race again. And so, um, number one, it's, it's Phoenix in January, right? Like we, we all just get fed up with the weather about this time of year. But, uh, but the fact that it's this true racecation where you can go racing and still have the off days, um, that's as big of a draw as, as the weather is honestly. And then again, I mean, as we talked about this, just, unbelievably eclectic mix of really strong race cars is just, I think, kind of the icing on the cake for it, too. 
Who are you kind of looking at this week? Do you think that's, you know, kind of going to be favorites for this event? You know, give me like two, three names of, of guys you think could, could win a, a lot over the next week or so. I think Jonathan Davenport's going to be uh, really strong out there. Now, he's run the Wild West Shootout before, Justin, but he's he has never been at this venue. You know, the Wild West Shootout has has been at a couple different venues, and it's it's 15-year history. Um, he last raced at Tucson about six years ago, but I think he's going to be really good. A uh, driver to keep uh, your eye on is going to be Ricky Thornton, Jr. I'm a big Ricky Thornton, Jr. fan personally, all right? Like, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, pushing the guy on, on social media and stuff. He's winning – 40 plus races um, every year across like three different divisions. Last year, he stepped behind the wheel of the SSI Motorsports uh, late model on a part-time role, won a World of Outlaws late model series race, won a Lucas Oil late model dirt series race. That team uh, is getting ready to step back out on the national tour with RTJ as their driver. Well, this this track, Arizona Speedway, is one of Ricky's home tracks or was one of Ricky's home tracks back when he lived in the Phoenix area. So he gets around the place very well. He's in probably the best equipment that he's ever been there. He's going to be another one to keep your eye on. And, and then I'll throw out one more guy, and that's Bobby Pierce. I mean, Bobby um, has won at Arizona before. He runs really well at that racetrack. He just picked up um, uh, popular crew chief Cody Mallory. Uh, here within the last few weeks. So that'll be a, a new combination. I, I think they're going to be very strong out of the gate. And I think BP32 is going to be pretty good out there this week. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the Mallory situation. I, I talked about that earlier in the week on my daily show. And, and I'm curious what you think kind of the impact of that is. It sounds like they're maybe working on some new chassis stuff. Um, but obviously, you know, him being a longtime Bloomquist crew guy and then working last year for Owens, how do you think that's going to go together with him and Bobby? Cody seems to be one of those crew chiefs that um, whenever he is paired with or works with a driver, um, that team seems to run really well. You know, I think look at Owens last year, right? I mean, Owens goes out and wins the Lucas championship. And that's, you know, you and I are both smart enough to know that's probably not all tied to just one factor like a, like a crew chief, right? But there's certainly something there um, that, that when Cody comes in, um, the team is, is suddenly strengthened. Um, you combine that with what we just talked about, Justin, with one of the draws to Arizona. And, and one thing we didn't mention is on the driver's side, one of the draws is that, that this event, especially for a guy like Pierce that's not following a, a national tour, this is almost like a spring training for him. Okay, so he can go out there with Cody. Um, they can gel. They can get in a rhythm. They can test new things. They can try new things. And, and they can get kind of a foundation underneath of them before the the quote-unquote regular season starts up here in, in March or whatever it is. And so um, I think, you know, I don't know. I think they're going to be really good out of the gate. Um, maybe that's lofty expectations. And, again, that having been said, I mean, there's there's literally going to be 15 or 18 drivers out there that can win each night. They may go out there and, and get behind the eight ball too and, uh, and realize they need to go back to the drawing board when they get back to, to Illinois. Now that we're kind of clear of, of 2020, you know, when we look back on the season, thankfully, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we look back on the season, you know, besides all of the COVID stuff and, and, you know, shutting down races and all of this other crap we had to deal with, what do you think is going to be the things we look back at and, and really remember from this last season? You know, someone else asked me that uh, earlier and, and I think it's going to be a few different things. I, I think that, I think we learned a lot in 2020 and and I say we that the sport as a whole right whether it's drivers whether it's track promoters whether it's crew whether it's it's us that, that work in the industry I think that we learned um, how to be a little smarter with with what we do and and how we can um, 
I don't think cut corners is the right word, but I think that we, we learn how we can do uh, more with less maybe is, is a good way to put it. We learn how to shift better on the fly. We learn how to improve ourselves again. And that's, that's all of us within the sport, drivers, crews, industry, et cetera. Um, I, so I think that's one thing that, that we're going to look back on and say, man, remember in 2020, you know, we were able to, um, we were able to have races without any fans. Well, how did we do that? We were able to make money by only doing this. We were able to, um, when one race got canceled, we were able to shift and get another event to replace it in less than 48 hours. Um, those are things that, you know, we've never done before. I mean, if, if you would have told you or I a few years ago, hey, man, this race is going to be canceled, but within a day, we're going to put on another race at another track and it's going to flourish. Like we would laugh at it, right? Like how the hell is that possible? Like you can't, you can't do that. What are you smoking? So I think that we learn how to be a, a little bit um, smarter, how to do a little more with, with a little less is probably the big thing that we'll look back on aside, aside from all the obvious crazy stuff. Uh, my kind of own fandom of, of late model racing is, is fairly short-lived. You know, I, I worked for the Outlaws for, for seven years, and, and really this last year with doing all of this stuff with Dirt Tracker, I, I mean, I watched every Outlaw race, every Lucas race. I, I mean, I watched more late model racing than I ever have. But, you know, obviously Shepard, Overton, you know, Owens, kind of the three big names for the year. And, and like, it, as you kind of look back in previous years, is, is it common to have, you know, what we saw this year with a couple of guys kind of dominating, or, is, or did we see something different in 2020? than we've seen before no i think that's pretty common across the board in late models you know and and it's i mean again this discipline the, the late model discipline is not any different than any other discipline right i mean in sprints you've got years where donnie shot seems like he's virtually unbeatable and, and you go uh you know you've had years in big blocks where i mean you know it, whether it's it's uh, Matt Shepard or Stuart Friesen or, you know, on back to Brett Hearn. I mean, guys, again, that were just unbeatable or, or even in other disciplines. You said well, whatever it is, right? Like you just you, guys hit on something. Um, luck falls their way. Uh, you know, a, a lot of things fall in place for them to be very, very good. Uh, now, on the late model side, I think that the cream has a tendency to rise to the top a, a lot. You know, Brandon Shepard, that Rocket House car team, they're always going to be one of the teams and, and one of the drivers to beat, right? They've, they've got very good equipment. They've got outstanding knowledge. Um, they've got a lot of things that fall in their favor, but there are a lot of guys within the sport that do that as well. So I, I don't, I don't think 2020 was, was really any different. What I think maybe is a little different, Justin, is that, that outside of a couple, those names at the top are, are constantly rotating as well. You know, Brandon Overton might have a 25 win year, one year, and the next year, you know, it, it might be Jonathan Davenport that wins 20-some races, or it might be Jimmy Owens that wins 20-some races, or it, it might be someone else. And so I think that's kind of the cool thing on the late model side is you might always have those one or two guys that are right there at the top, and you can bank on them being in the top five about everywhere they go. But everything else below that is, is constantly rotating. And I think that's, I don't know, for me personally, that's kind of why I, I keep interest in it. Well, when we kind of look at the fields, you know, we, we have a fairly good idea at this point of, of, you know, who the World of Outlaws light model drivers are going to be. You know, we've got those, all those official announcements and things. But with Lucas, I feel like we haven't seen a lot of those, like, public announcements. You know, are we going to see a, a very drastic, different-looking field, you know, in 2021 than we saw in 2020? Or is it going to be, you know, Owens, McCready, Morant? You know, is it going to be kind of the same cast of characters? Yeah, I, I really think we're looking at that. I think we're looking at the same cast of characters with Owens and McCready 
Andy and Davenport and in that group. Um, you know, a, a couple changes. Uh, Devin Moran, I think, right now is going to be starting the year off uh, running the Lucas Oil races, and and I think that team maybe is going to see where they're at after the Georgia Florida Speed Weeks and see how things shake out and go from there. Um, and then Lucas is adding a couple really um, solid rookies to their group. One we talked about, that's Ricky Thornton Jr. You know, I, I really and truly think – I think both of these guys have got a great opportunity to go out, win some races, and finish in the top five or six in points. RTJ, I think, is going to be really, really good in that SSI motorsports car. And then Kyle Strickler, uh, who you know. You know, I mean, Kyle is, is – um, has waited a long time for I think the right opportunity to go full-time late model racing. And, and so I think he's going to be uh, really strong. I mean, he was, you know, a, a half a lap away from winning the intercontinental classic, the $50,000 at Eldora last year, half a lap and flat tire away from doing it. So he's already proven, both of those guys have already proven they can go out and, and run with these guys and win these big money races. So I think they're going to be really solid. But other than that, the rest of the group is looking pretty much the same. Um, I believe you're going to see Shane Clanton and Tyler Bruning drop off that tour. I don't know yet if they are going to go racing with the Outlaws or if maybe uh, Greg Bruning hasn't quite decided what that team's going to do yet. But it's it's looking like those guys are going to fall off. It's looking like Lucas is adding RTJ and Strickler. Everything else, for the most part, should stay pretty much the same there. As we've seen Strickler kind of make this transition from modifieds into late models. Um, and, and, you know, Vinny Giuliani, his crew chief is somebody that I've talked to on, on my show. But when you have a veteran guy like that who's been around, how important is that for, you know, a driver making that transition? Especially as I feel like late models are so technical and, and so engineering based. But to have a guy with his background kind of in your corner. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had the same conversation with someone uh, just this past week. And it's it's um it is, I don't know how to word it the right way, Justin, without offending anyone. It's, it's unbelievably important to both sides. But again, I mean, much like any other discipline in racing, I think that you have to make sure that, that the fit is there, right? Like, you know, how many times in, in other areas? Um, it, well, the late model side too, but in sprint cars or whatever else have we seen that you've got a great crew chief, you've got a great driver, it seems like the ingredients for an unbelievably successful team and, and something happens and they just don't, you know, they just don't mesh. And so uh, I, I think that the ingredients are there, you know, we'll see if that team is able to be successful. I think they will. I mean, he's worked with, with Vinny off and on, you know, in, in a lot of different areas here for a few years, but to get back to your question, having, having just the knowledge of a crew chief, I think is, is unbelievably important. But I think when you combine that with a driver that's also pretty savvy up here, I think those are things that, I don't know, I think those are things that make for a pretty successful team, whether it's Kyle Strickler and Vinny Giuliani or, or again, Cody Mallory and Bobby Pierce or, or anyone, really. And uh, in, in looking specifically at the Outlaws for, for this coming season, it, you know, it seems like in recent years it's been, you know, the Rocket Car and then everyone else. And, and you know, we know Ricky Weiss is making some changes for this year. We know Kate Diller took a big step uh, this year. Do you think any of those guys can make a, you know, kind of realistically take the fight to Shepard for the championship in 2021? Yeah, I think they can. And I mean, it's, you know, as, as good and as consistent as Sheppy is, right? Like the, these other guys are just, yeah, and I'll tell you this, they're that close. You know, they are, they are that close. They're a couple wins away or a couple, you know, uh, bad breaks on that rocket one car away from, from being right there. I, I think where... I think where that Rocket One team is just so damn strong is, I mean, again, they're, they're guys, you know, you, you talk about the importance of a great crew chief and, and that, you know, not just, not just crew chief Joel Rogers, but I mean, that, 
that whole that group is just so daggone strong. I mean, whether it's it's Joel, whether it's Dan, whether it's Austin, Mark himself. I mean, that that group is so unbelievably strong. Everyone knows what the other guy is doing. Um, they're they're incredibly intelligent. Uh, they're very good at what they do, and and they've got. Um, they've got a very good system laid out of, you know, I'm doing this, this, and this, you're doing this and this. Uh, and, and that, that helps them out tremendously. Uh, I think Brandon is, is obviously the odds on favorite to come in and, and win a championship. You know, Ricky Weiss is going to have a little bit of a transition, I think going into his own chassis. And that's, that's my own thought. I think he's going to do what Ricky always does. He'll be extremely consistent in, in the top five or six, just about every race. Kate Dillard had a really solid year last year. Um, Brandon Overton, uh, I think, is going to be probably the biggest threat to, to Brandon Shepard in that title. And if, if you know, if B.O. can go out there and, and have the season that he had in this year, like he had in 2020, I think we're going to have a, a really, really nice championship battle on the outlaw side. You, you talked about Ricky Thornton Jr., and, and he's somebody that I kind of paid attention to and talked about a bunch this year. And, and you know, talking about him and, and guys like Kay Dillard, who do you think kind of going forward in 2021 are some names, maybe some guys kind of on the fringes of that can take that next step, that can, you know, maybe kind of thrust themselves into the national spotlight a little bit more this year? I think the rookies on both sides, uh, honestly, Justin, are going to be guys that, that have an opportunity to do that. And I mean, I've, I've already waxed poetic about Ricky Thornton and, and uh, Kyle Strickler on, on the Lucas side. And on the outlaw side, I mean, Ross Bales, that Big Frog Motorsports team is, is really good. I mean, Bales has won national touring series races in the past. And so um, if that team has the resources to stick with, with the, uh, with the tour the entire year, I think that, uh, that he's got a really, really good opportunity to, to run well um, again, could possibly finish in, in the top five. And there's a few other guys as well. You know, Hudson O'Neill is back uh, this year full time. Um, he's going to be with Double Down Motorsports on the Lucas Oil side of things. And, and that is, uh, uh, you know, that's the Sellers team based out of Tennessee. That's an excellent team. And again, they have uh, they've done the national touring thing for the last few years. Hudson O'Neill's got national touring experience. And it just goes back to what we talked about. I mean, if if that if that gel if that mesh is there, you know, I, I think that the seventy one car could be back in victory lane several times here in twenty twenty one. Uh, kind of, you know, jumping back to Lucas in terms of the championship, you know, it was such a dominant season for Owens last year, but down the stretch, those last, what, three, four, five races, yeah. he wasn't up to kind of where he'd been all season long. And, I, and I'm wondering, you know, is, is that kind of just a, a blip and then he'll be kind of back to form this year? Or, you know, is, is he the favorite for the championship this year or do we need to be looking at McCready or Davenport or some of these other guys? I, I think you hit on those three right there, Justin. I, I really do. I think those are going to be the three that at least going into the season and in, in this first, you know, in Q1 or whatever else are going to be the guys that everyone has their eyes on. Um, the one thing with Owens is, and, and you can look back historically on Jimmy Owens and see that for the most part in the middle of summer, man, he just, he always r runs really, really well. And, and it's, you know, I think it's a combination of him and his experience and, and the team. I think that they typically go to tracks that he has performed well at, whether it's Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheatland, Missouri, he runs well at, at Florence Speedway in Florence, Kentucky, and, and there's others in there also. But um, Jimmy Owens has just, he's traditionally run really, really well in, in July and August. And so, um, that's when a lot of guys, right? Like, you, you know, you're out on the road, you travel. I mean, it's, you get down in the, in the heat of summer, you're like, Oh man, you're just, you're worn out. You don't want to drive to another racetrack. It's 
um, you know, you have two or three bad runs and it's kind of easy to kind of get down on yourself and, and down on, on others. And, you know, you got some internal chaos, but, but that team, it just, it seems like because he runs well and, and everything, it just seems like they don't, they don't have that kind of midsummer lull like we see with some other teams. So, uh, but I, I think you hit on them outside of him. I mean, McCready, if McCready can put together the full season um, like he had, like he showed that he's capable of in 2020, if he can put that together for a full season, he's obviously going to be a title contender. We saw flashes of it, right? Like he's really good at the beginning of the year. He has some great runs there, you know, and, and um, towards the end of the season as well. If he can put that together for a full year, he's he's obviously going to be a contender. And then I think Davenport's the other one too. I mean, and, and JD, you know, has, has won the title before he knows what he has to do to put, put together the full season. They just ran into some bad luck last year. They were off a little bit. And, and honestly, kind of bringing this back full circle to your very first question, it's one of the reasons why he's going to Arizona also. He wants to go out. He wants to get this Lance Landers team kind of back on a foundation so that they have maybe a, a little bit of a head start on some of the other Lucas Oil competition before they head down to uh, Florida here in a couple weeks. You know, with, with all the stuff that happened in 2020, you know, we, we lost a number of the crown jewel events, you know, the, the dream, the world and all of those type of things. And, and with all of the stuff that we've seen with Eldora, you know, in, in the last couple of months with all the social media stuff and all this, what do you think the landscape of the crown jewels is going to look like this year? Is it going to just be absolutely bananas all season with these big events? I, I, I've probably talked about this a dozen times already this week. I, my my heart wants me to think that there's going to be some sort of, of stability with these crown jewels, right? Like, uh, because I don't know that any of this can take another year of, of shifting and moving on the fly like we had in, in 2020. My head says that, uh, that we're going to have to be patient and, and wait and see. Um, I, I, I think that I hope that uh, at least towards the second half of the year that we do have at least some sort of, of stability, right? Uh, but again, um, you're probably like me. I mean, I, I kind of look around me here right now, and, and uh, it's, it's really at, at this point as we sit here in early January, it's in one sense, it's kind of hard to imagine a racetrack with 20 to 25,000 people all sitting shoulder to shoulder beside each other. And, and I don't say that in a negative sense. But given everything that we've been through here in the last nine months, it's it's hard to kind of fathom that at, at this point in time. Now, you know, uh, we don't have to get into a whole bunch of, of stuff about COVID here, but, you know, we get on down the road a couple months, vaccines seems to be working, cases go down, things like that, things start opening up. You know, we, we could be um, very much back to normal by uh, by April or May, and, and crown tools are, are on as normal. I, I hope that we see that. I hope we see this normalcy in it because uh, – you know from from having worked on the inside that it's uh it is um chaos to say the least when these things start moving around and everything else there was there was a time i told i told michael rigsby at the end of the year he uh we did a podcast and uh and he said uh he said how are you feeling i said i'm exhausted he said i feel like you say that every year about this time i said yeah but no like i'm I'm seriously exhausted this year like i don't know how much more of this i can take uh, speaking of Michael Rigsby, I, I definitely want to ask you about the the new kind of midweek late model series that's coming. And it's it's kind of one of the neat things that came out of this last season, this kind of late model night in America deal. Um, you know, what do you think that's going to do for, for late model competitors? And, and how many of those races are you actually going to get to get to? I'm uh, well. First off, myself and Ben Shelton are actually going to be the announcers for for all ten of those. So that's that's really cool. I'm super excited to be a part of that. Um, this is something that that internally we've. We batted around for a little bit. Um, 
it's if there's there's been almost this void that in racing, specifically in late model racing, right? That um, really didn't come into the spotlight until the pandemic happened. Um, you know, we 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 race on. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but then you've got these days in the middle of the week where folks are, are sitting at home. There's no new TV shows on the summer. There's not, other than baseball, there's not a lot of sports going on. And so this idea of having these midweek races has always been there. It was almost like we needed a reason for them to happen, right? Uh, and, and so now, um, for better or worse, 2020 happens, and, and we've proven, you know, a couple things. We've proven, number one, that – um, we can have races in the middle of the week. And, and then number two or, or, you know, point B is that not only can we have these races in the middle of the week, they can be very successful as well, both at the racetrack and, and then people, you know, people watching here at home too. And, and so um, that's really when the conversations kind of have got started. I mean, Michael Rigsby has, has taken this and, and run with it. And, you know, he's, uh, he's talked to Ben Shelton and I, um, really throughout the entire process with input and tracks and, and things like that. And with the help of, of flow racing, I mean, it's really and truly just, it has become, I think probably bigger than, than we dreamed that it would become with um, very, very, very strategically placed dates and racetracks, uh, you know, with a, a, what looks to be, a, I think a very nice point fund to, to go with this, uh, this, again, I don't want to sound like a Homer, I'm honestly probably looking as forward to the flow racing night in America uh, as, as much as I am anything in, in 2021. And, and, and that's the truth because I think it's going to be super successful. I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. And I think there's going to be some really nice fields of cars, both with some national talent. And I think these are going to be races where some regional talents really, really going to have an opportunity to drop in and give some of the big dogs a run for their money. Uh, as we kind of look around the landscape of, of late model racing as a whole, and I, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on on just kind of the state of things. And, and I feel like, you know, with all of the World of Outlaws races being on Dirt Vision and, and Lucas committing to showing, you know, all of their races this season and, and flow and, and all of these different things, has there been a better time than right now to be a late model fan? I mean, I feel like we have so much access and there's so much good stuff. You know, is there a time in the past where, where it was it was so easy and, and so much fun to be a late model fan? No, never. I, <laughs> I, you know, I go to 80 races a year. Usually. Um, I don't want to leave the house anymore. That's, that's awful to say. Right. And and I say that, you know, I, I say that slightly tongue in cheek, but, uh, um, man, we're so freaking spoiled right now. You know, I mean, that there was, I mean, there was a stretch in the summer, Justin, where, uh, I counted at one time every every live every live race on flow has to come through me in, in some way shape or form it's that's what I do for flow racing there was a stretch in the summer we went like I don't know what it was it was something stupid like 35 straight nights where there was you know some sort of race on on you know flow or, or whatever else and that was that's just one platform when you throw the others in like you said with dirt vision and uh, and and you know Lucas oil TV and things like that you know, folks don't have to leave the house. It is a, it is a great time to be alive. Now that having been said, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to something that, that we always talk about. And I know that you've talked about this with, with your history, with the, you know, with the outlaws and, and with dirt vision and everything too. And, and that's this, um, I'm a big high school sports guy. Okay. I, I, you know, I, announce and go to a lot of high school basketball I announce games for for my alma mater um you know they they can only have limited fans at their at their home games and they're not you know they're not 
I can't go to any away games, et cetera, et cetera. Fortunately, most of those games are streamed on TV. Um, it kills me. It kills me just to have to sit and watch those on TV. But it's it is it's kind of sobered me a little bit in the sense that you know when we work in this industry, it's easy to get caught up in the routine of things and, and everything else. And sometimes we give these elevator pitches of of you know oh you know you know the races are on TV, fans will still come to the track or fans will still want to be there and, and things like that. This has really sobered me in the sense that you know, watching these basketball games from home is as wonderful as it is and as thankful as I am to have that opportunity. It is nothing like being there, you know, and, and the races are the same way. I can't tell you the number of times that I've, I've been sitting at home watching a, a race from Marshalltown Speedway or, you know, from Lincoln or from wherever else. And I'm like, man, I want to be there. Like, you know, it, I'm, I'm glad I have the opportunity to watch this from home, but I want my ass at the racetrack sitting in the stands or in the pits talking to guys and that's, you know, that's the beauty of our sport, right? Like is that, that it's, you know, it's a great time to be alive. I'm really thankful that we've got not just all these late model races, but I mean, again, we've got sprint car race, got USAC, we got big block modifies, we have IMCA modifies. We have any type of racing you want virtually at our fingertips right now. Um, it is zero. It is nothing like being there at the racetrack though. No, I, I'm certainly with you. And it's like, you, you know, when you, when you had talked to people over the years about the, you know, this kind of streaming versus being at the track and whether streaming hurts the racetrack and all of these things, at no point are you ever going to replace that experience of being at the racetrack, of sitting in the stands and getting your beer and your dog and talking to your buddies about what's going on and, you know, walking yeah. the pits. And, and it's like, you know, I feel like there's very few opportunities in, in all of professional sports to like, literally, you can't buy a pass and just go walk into the locker room and start talking to people, but you can do that in dirt racing. And like, that's not something you can recreate in, in streaming well and, and here's the great thing too i mean uh, about that is that i i have had so many people come up to me um in the last two to three years and, and you've probably had this as well people that'll come up to me and they'll say man i watched you know marshalltown speedway on flow or you know you'll get you know people that say man i watched that i watched that sprint car race at cedar lake speedway or you know i saw the big blocks at, at brewerton or i mean whatever else I want to go there. That place looks badass. You know, that looks awesome, man. What a great racetrack. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's your, you are, there is this um, uh, intangible marketing value to these things, right? That like, we all want to think that we can forecast and predict and things like that, but we can't like, you know, we, we don't know how many people eventually end up going to these races. And that's the great thing about it. And we hear from promoters all the time as well, you know, they're like, you know, I have someone come up to me and say, they watch this race on Lucas Oil TV or Dirt Vision or on Flow or whatever it is. And, and so um, that's cool. And it just, I don't know, man, it, it, it reiterates what we do. This sport, man, it can knock you down, right? Like it's, it's easy to get, we talked about the crews kind of getting down in the middle of the season, but it's easy for us to get down a, a little bit as well. And so when you hear someone come up to you and say something like that, you know, Hey, thank you for bringing me that race. You know, I love that racetrack. You guys do a great job. Like it, you know, it, 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 it hits close to home and it just, it kind of reminds you of, of why we do what we do. I, I'm going to get a little homerish on flow here, but one of the things I've really enjoyed over the last year is, is all of the behind the scenes stuff that you guys have done. Uh, you know, I had Haley Shanley on, on this show here not too long ago too. And, and, you know, like the things like the road to Eldora videos and, and all of the stuff coming out of Tulsa shootout last week and all of the stuff coming from Chili Bowl. Uh, you know, how much fun is it to get to, to travel around and, and to do those pieces and to really kind of dig in uh, behind the scenes with this stuff? 
Man, that's that's my heart and soul right there. That that really and truly is. I'm I'm a I'm a partner success manager for Flow, and so so like I mentioned, I mean basically every every live and and VOD video on demand uh, race that that we have, all fourteen or fifteen hundred of those, they come through me in some way, shape, or form. So that's what pays the bills. But uh, the the content stuff is what I love, and and I'm. You know, I don't know, man. I'm like, you know, I'm a sports guy. So, like, I like the ESPN 30 for 30s and the behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, you've got – I love, like, Saturday and Sunday morning ESPNs, man, where you've got this, you know, the, the story about, you know, the, the football player going to the hospital and, and you know, visiting with the kid that has, you know, an, an illness. Like, I, I love that kind of stuff. You know, the, the basketball player, they're going and visiting his hometown, you know, and, and the family and everything. Like – that's the cool thing I think about um, everyone from the, from the flow racing and dirt on dirt side is like, we're, we're sports people, right? Like flow, flow racing specifically, like we are all racing people, you know, it's, it's not just a, a group of, of people that, you know, work there that are like, Oh yeah, you know, we'll lend a hand to the race. Like we're all racing people. And so when you get to know, as you know, when you get to know these guys and you get to know the stories, um, I think it gives, how do I say this right? I think it gives us maybe a leg up in a sense. I mean, I had the chance to to hang with Kyle Larson at Port Royal on the road to Eldora thing, you know, and uh, it, it was kind of cool because I, I hadn't, I probably hadn't talked to Kyle in, well, it had been, I think, eight years. Uh, when I was when I was a house announcer at Eldora uh, and he won uh, all three portions of, uh, of uh, four crown nationals out at Eldora back there in, in the uh, early 2010s. And, uh, so I, I walked up to him to reintroduce myself. I said, hey, Kyle, you know, Dustin Jarrett, I used to be the announcer at L. And, and I got about that far, and he said, yeah, Eldora. He's like, you were there the night that I won, you know, all three parts of the USAC. And I was like, oh, holy shit, like, that's that's really cool. But that's that's how our, our sport is, right? Like, you know, we get to know these guys, and I think that it, it does give us, you know, kind of a leg up on some folks to have these stories and to have some inside information and, and to know really what hits close to home. The Road to Eldora series was, I thought, phenomenal. It's not just because I, I had a very small part in that, but I thought that it was very well thought out. I thought that it was very well laid out. And, and I think that, um, you know, I think in a day and age where attention spans are not getting longer, they're getting shorter. I think that a lot of those Road to Eldora pieces really hit on the human interest side of things that, that for better or worse, we don't, maybe do as good of a job um, promoting in our sport as what we should, because we get so caught up, right. in, in just doing the races themselves. And, and rightfully so we spend a lot of time and resources doing just the races. Um, I think in the future, you're going to see more of that from flow, which is really awesome. I think flow is going to do a lot more of the human interest stuff. And I appreciate you, you mentioning that and bringing that up because that's important to us is to do this Tulsa shootout and chili bowl stuff. And, and, you know, the road well door, I think you're going to see some more things like that uh, coming up here in 2021 from flow racing. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, during a year when we couldn't get out and, and, you know, go to as many races as we wanted to, to get those behind the scenes pieces, the all access stuff from, you know, some of the sprint car races and things like that too. I just, you know, it was really fun for me to watch and, and it's like, it's such a great value add for your, you know, your kind of flow racing subscription to be able to have that stuff. But I appreciate you uh, taking some time today. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, as we look forward here now for the rest of this year, uh, you know, rest of this year, where are we going to see you at? What races are you going to be working at uh, through the run? remainder of the year every year every year i say i'm going to do less <laughs> 2021 might be the year that i finally do a little less i i don't know as i mentioned uh i myself and ben shelton will be co-announcing 
um, the 10 uh, Flow Racing Night in America event. So that's going to be a really cool opportunity. I fly out to Phoenix, Arizona um, very soon for the Wild West Shootout. I'll be out there. Uh, I will be at the uh, the Eldora Crown Jewel Late Model events, the Dirt Late Model Dream, and of course the World 100 working those. And then, uh, and then I'll have a few other uh, bigger events that are sprinkled in there as well. And my season will wrap up as usual at, at the Gateway Dirt Nationals, which uh, this upcoming year is in early December. And that's um, for anyone that's never been to Gateway. I don't want to put a you know a big plug here at the end of this or anything, but I mean Gateway, that atmosphere is just unbelievable. And and that is that that's an event that uh, if if folks haven't been to. Um, you know, you, you, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, big races or whatever else, big bucket list right there. Folks haven't been there. Gateway's a super cool atmosphere. Definitely. Well, Dustin Jarrett, uh, safe travels to Arizona and, uh, take, uh, thanks for taking some time to uh, talk Lake Mall racing with us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Justin. I appreciate it, man. Thanks again to Dustin for the time and his insight. As he mentioned, he was getting ready to fly out to Arizona to work for the next week or so. Make sure to catch him on the Flow Racing broadcast of the Wild West Shootout all event long. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.